Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's Roundtable Sangha. Uh, this is the Awakening Together community guest satsang roundtable discussion. Um, in case you're wondering what a satsang is, it is a gathering of people being in the company of truth. Awakening Together hosts monthly satsang interviews, and this month's satsang interview was with Akalesh Ayar. Akalesh is a spiritual mentor and writer who's been engaged with the Hindu school of Advaita Vedanta for over 20 years. He specializes in modern interpretation of Sri Ramana Maharshi's ideas as a path to ultimate truth and liberation. He's written two books on self-realization. The first is How to Find What Isn't Lost. And the second is named The Spiritual Dialogues with Akalesh. He has taught and presented at the Science, Science and Non-Duality Conference, the Nothing Conference, Insight Seminars, Heal House, Maha Rose, the New York Self-Inquiry Group, among other places. He also maintains a website at siftingtothetruth.com. Following the satsang, some of the members of the Awakening Together community kind of got together to reflect on the teachings and what was heard. So that being said, I invite anyone who is in the room to unmute yourself and share anything that you feel to share from the teachings from yesterday evening. Please. Yeah, um, I loved his energy, a great energy, very um, youthful. <laughs> um, but his message was just really good, basic. Um, in the beginning, he said the uh, basic barrier to enlightenment is our attachments to desires and, and fears, the attachment basically to the idea of being a person. And um, we just keep um, practicing vigilantly until the attachments weaken sufficiently. Um, he made it sound quite uh, simple. Um, but, and, and then he talked about the two basic uh, forms of practice of, that he engages in and through Ramana Maharshi and that self-inquiry and surrender. And, uh, it, but when he got to the end and um, the question was asked about meditation, boy, um, my ears really perked up with that because I have a hard time just sitting in meditation. You know, I can do the guided meditations, no problem, but sitting, an absolute silence for hours. It's very difficult for me, always has been, even though I've tried it. But um, he seemed to think, in his words, meditation was also the um, inquiry and, and surrender um, in every moment. And that was exciting. And he talked about ignoring thought and sustain, uh, abstaining from self-will. 
And I went, wow, that's what's evolving in me naturally right now. And so it was exciting for him to speak about that and how we don't get sucked into the story. Uh, the mind and the body may act, but just stay out of the story of what it's doing. Um, yeah, that's all I have for now. Thank you for that. Gorgeous. Would anyone else like to share? Please. Boy, I hear you, Glenda, on the, the um, meditation thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, for me to sit for hours is impossible. It's just even 20 minutes is so hard for me. And so I think he even went so, not only did he say that, you know, talk about inquiry and surrender, but he also, if I heard him right, he says, we don't really even have to meditate if we get into inquiry and surrender. So I was jumping up and down on that one. So, I don't know. I mean, I find those two much, much easier. Um, and I do have a question for everybody. When he was talking about inquiry, and I've never quite understood um, the term inquiry, self-inquiry, does that mean, um, he said, who has that thought and who is this I that has this thought? Um, or is self-inquiry that deeper thing that we're taught to do where we root down into the root, root cause? Martha, you're saying no. Would, un, un, unmute yourself, Martha. I'm in a really loud place. I'm sorry. Um, Self-inquiry is the who am I, what am I, who is it that's having this thought. Root oh. cause inquiry is going deeper and deeper into the feelings of what's going on when you're having an attachment. Okay, thank you. I, I, I've been confused about that for a long time. So, okay. Um, and then I, I, I love of his... Um, the way he said, he, he, you know, I just love it when, um, you know, different teachers say, say basically the same thing, but they all say it in a different way. And I just love that. And I love what he said um, that and, and awakening is freedom from the burden of tension. And I love that. I just thought that was a wonderful thing. Um, and that we're trying to locate, what we're trying to do is locate our aliveness. Um, he also said surrender is treating the ego as irrelevant. Um, and then he was, he was very clear and adamant about our need to put effort into overcoming our habits. But that at some point, um, we don't have to, oh, yeah, effort is required until it is taken from us. And I thought that was really great, too. So, um, all, yeah, all in all, I, I agree with you, Glenda. It was great young guy, you know, very, I just I love people with really, strong, good intellects with that, like that. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that, that uh, sangha. So, all right, thanks.
Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share? I'm just going to quickly say I agree with all of you. And also, um, you said put in the effort and grace manifests itself. You know, you, we're beginning to live in a state where we're constantly inquiring as we grow spiritually. At least that's the way I feel anyway. Um, it reminds me of the Bible that says, you know, just pray constantly. So here he is telling us, you know, just keep letting go of attachments. Keep detaching. You know, and keep surrendering and um, inquiring. So um, it was a delight. So that's it. Thank you. And thank you, Rhoda. Great um, job. Thank you. Um, it just occurred to me that for the sake of the recording, I just want to make sure that it was clearly heard the difference between the two things that Izzy was pointing to, which were the first one was self inquiry. And self inquiry is inquiring on uh, who sees this who is it that is having this thought what am i anything that points us back to the truth of what we are that is self-inquiry and the other practice that izzy was pointing to is uh, root cause inquiry and root cause inquiry is a form of also a form of self-inquiry, but it is a form of self-inquiry used to look at the beliefs and the feelings associated with those beliefs that are at the root of the, I wanna say suffering structure, but maybe that's not, not exactly the right words, but I wanna say it's what's at the root that causes us to suffer because we believed it over and over and over and over and not because it's true. So just wanted to clarify that for the recording. Uh, so anyone else, would anyone else like to share about Akalesha's teachings, please? Yeah, <clears throat> I appreciate the points that have been made and uh, put the dog down. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> but talk down, have him bark. Um, I loved how practical he was. Um, it was, uh, well, like part, you know, part of me could think, well, this is kind of theoretical. Every time he made a, what could be said as a theoretical point, he then went on to say how you can apply it and what it looks like and what it feels like and what the, what the lookings from and what the momentum is. Um, I love too when he said, uh, basically, the aim of meditation is to bring the mind to inquire on itself. What does that mean? Not just assume the my will is actually a true impulse. You know, who wants to do it that way? Ah, ah, I can feel that tight little me, me, you know, I can like relax into knowing that's not true. I can, I can get back in my, in, in touch with not just handing over the reins to the automatic attachments that kick up all the time, because anytime there's true attachment, there's not peace. Like both can't exist. Cause as soon as I'm attached, I'm waiting to see if it works out my way, right? I'm judging it. 
I'm using the past, I'm bringing in a bunch of mental structures, and I'm basically dreaming the dream. Um, even if it's going well, the, the, the fear is still it could fall apart. And if it's not going well, you're trying to fix it to something else. So just watching how that plays out. And then I love him when he got even more practical. And he said, um, you know, notice where you get sucked in. At this stage in the journey, we're not, we're not totally shocked where we get sucked in. We know the people that that we just do not maintain an ease and a distance all the time naturally. We know the places, we know the issues, we know the, the, the thought forms. And so I love how he got real specific about notice. I mean, mind would love it if when we got sucked in, we would listen to you suck again, you suck again. There's no learning in you suck again. Nothing is learned there. It's just double down on ego. But if, if, if we get sucked in, all of a sudden attention can land and there can be some curiosity. Wow, sucked in happened. I wonder, ah, there's that thought. I, I, I never did think they liked me or I never did think there was gonna be enough or I never did think I was safe, whatever, whatever the, the thought structure is. But can we start to hone in on the patterns in our own peace, 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 lack of peace, 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 lack of peace. And, and that's our own wanting to see it. We have to want to see it. And he talked about self-honesty and which, you know, Regina, if, if there's a, if there's a true North for all of Regina's teachings, it's just how much self-honesty can we bring in a non-judgmental way, in a curious way to watch what actually happens. We can't let go of anything we don't see. And I don't think we're going to see it unless the heart is Sides that wants to see it beforehand. So I loved him talking about devotion too. What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to your spiritual aspirations? And the last thing I'll say is when he said, um, oh, oh, and the point about what do you get sucked into? He said, the point is become a little more anticipatory. And some, someone might hear that and go, well, that's just, isn't that just mental? Eh, kinda. I mean, yes, you need to use your intellect to recognize a pattern. But I think it's pretty visceral when we're sucked in and that's not intellectual, that's a, uh, right? So, and then he said, let's just start to notice that, become a little anticipatory. So we can bring what? Lots of awareness, lots of looking. Um, and then finally, he said, if you cannot hold attention in meditation, if that's just not happening, do anything that helps you concentrate your mind. So, I mean, for some people, you know, that's fishing. For some people, it's quilting. For some people, it's knitting. For, for other people, it's, 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 like, it's like listening to music, but following every note, doing it very intentionally. And I loved how he honed right in on the skill we're developing, which is concentrating the mind, becoming the masters of our own instrument, so to speak, and not just do, 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 you know, squirrel. Um, and that is abstaining from self-will but it's not doing it by saying self-will bad self-will bad it's by building the muscle am i paying attention to what i've decided to pay attention to for the next five minutes or 15 minutes or two minutes i mean so it was both the the structure and he's got the i, I love the way izzy said he's got that really broad and firm intellect that just holds it all and yet there's an alacrity with how humans 
um, you know, live and breathe and how this happens that brings a lot of compassion to, these, to this patterning. Because I don't think anyone can do a deep dive into self-honesty without a whole lot of intention to be tender, attention to be forgiving, and attention to be kind to that conditioning that comes up that feels like an imperative. Because letting that go for me is letting that be. And letting that be means really inhabiting the heart space that says, that's all right, that's what happens, but I'm looking and I'm learning and I'm opening to all of this. And I, I, I too loved his energy, I loved his enthusiasm. And uh, it was just a, a, a you know, wonderful gift to just watch the way he shows up and his call to be a teacher. So I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful heart-centered interview, Rhoda. So wonderful, wonderful, thank you. Thank you. Something in here is just jumping up and down to share, just, and pausing is happening. All right. Um, just every point that has been made so far is, has been very eloquently and perfectly aligned with what um, seemed to be heard here. And what I, what I sensed was just going back to just devotion, just this pure sense of, I don't know if it happens faster, if you're devoted, I don't know if any of that is true, but that's what this line says. You know, if you were devoted enough, it would happen faster. But what I, what I heard last night was just trust this. Trust this with all your heart and all, all that you are. Trust that devotion to this will not, it, it cannot lead you astray. I mean, it's all a dilute, like kept saying over and over again, the delusion of that you're doing something, the delusion of, it just kept pointing back to how everything that appears is perceived, is sensed, is just delusion. So I can keep deluding myself by following the ego and letting the mind run the show because essentially what I heard was you can let the mind run the show and just keep following the mind or you can come back to center and be with that truly devotional sense. There's two things that need to be done here. Surrender your attachment and self-inquiry. Do that. Add nauseam. Never stop. Just do that. And do is the delusion because there isn't doing. And when he pointed to the, I think, uh, the point that was made earlier was that the eventually grace will just take it away. Because we weren't doing it anyway. We were just keeping the mind occupied, essentially, is what I'm sensing. And just essentially, I'm keeping the mind occupied by constantly allowing 
this sense that it's doing something about it until it is finally the last last breath of of unclarity is what he called it. the last gasp of unclarity happens and grace takes it away <laughs> ah my heart just sings sings so it almost leaves it almost it almost feels like it's just wordless at this point there's just there's no possible words to describe and we and we've heard this over and over again in satsangs where teachers point and they say you know i'm doing my best but words just fail and i know that that's the experience here in trying to describe the words just fail. And something about all of the way that what that was being taught just kind of really the sense, the desire for liberation and to turn inward is just jacked way up in this moment. So, yeah. Pretty intense. So is there, please, all yours, Ruby. Um, listening to you, Rhoda, was it also, he was very soothing because he he allowed us to see that where we're at now is okay um and that the teacher will come where you're at it's kind of like um and grace will be there along the way along the path that's what i heard from him along the path Grace will be there to take you to the next step based on your honest um, desire. And so it's okay, you know? So um, I thought he was just excellent. I, I wanna ditto everybody saying he was, he was young, enthusiastic and really lit my fire. And um, I think you guys, well, he was also talking about um, devotion, but surrender. And surrender as a meditation. He said both of those were meditations, a self-inquiry and surrender is a meditation though and you you also said that he uh said concentration was important and it's concentration on whatever you're doing if it's self-inquiry or surrender uh and concentrate on that and let go of your 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 will um so uh, that's all that comes up for me now, but uh, he was just um, 
really great. I'm going to listen to them again, too. Very good. Yes. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you. Thank you. Please, Anne. Yeah, I appreciate Ruby echoing those points. Um, it, it brought me to the point in my notes where, where he really cut, you know, cut, kind of cut to the chase and said, well, what are we doing with self-inquiry? Because, you know, sometimes it's really devoted self-inquiry. After a while, you're like, am I, is it, am I doing, like, is this just, at some point, it kind of feels like a spin cycle. It's like, I'm looking, I think I'm looking, I think I'm looking. But like all of a sudden mind like inserts itself and is like, wait, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. And it's like, wait, I'm not, I'm not. And then it's like trying to discern is, wait, is that, you know, kind of BS or is that maybe the voice of truth or, and what do you, and I love the way he said this, uh, realization, the goal is mind coming to its own boundary. So it's to be expected that as we, awareness, we, the consciousness, we, the aliveness in here, uh, continue to question what kicks up with mind, what kicks up with story, what kicks up with identity, what kicks up with self-will. If, if the point is to get that to its boundary, it seems kind of natural at some point that it's going to get kind of hairy, kind of confusion, confusing, kind of uncomfortable. I don't think it has to, but it makes sense that it would if you're pushing this, basically this psychological me, this psyche that all it knows how to do is reconstitute itself and reassert itself. If the point is to push that to its own boundary, I would think it was like, well, of course that's going to feel a little uncomfortable if the desire, and, it, and then it, that just kind of cuts right into what do you really want? And, and, and for me, I have to watch the desire <laughs> to be very, very comfortable, to be very, very happy, to be like equanimitous. I mean, all of a sudden that can become the true desire instead of the truth. You know, only having the desire, the truth, or above all else, I want to see. I don't even know what it means but the heart wants that. I could see how the more you take them up on it, the more you hunt this eye, this self-referencing mechanism that constantly says, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, and often says, you're not doing very well at all. You know, the more that that's allowed to speak without reaction, if the point is to bring that to its own boundary, how is that not, if it's if, if the mechanism that it is, just going to get like even more personal. It comes back to Regina's message a couple of weeks ago when, you know, that egoic chatter starts to get downright vicious. And expect that, expect that, and don't, um, if it's possible, not to take that personally, if it's possible to know, ah, I'm, I'm this efforting is getting somewhere. And if possible, to, to notice that this, he, he, he kind of tried to thread that needle, the same me that I'm in touch with that wants truth, that above all else wants to see, how quickly that can, go, that can become a little spiritual and 
that's going to get her done that becomes the doer and in that moment i i ain't open to everything that comes i ain't wide open like oh look at love in action i'm going no not that yes that and i and something starts to sort it through again so it's like can we notice that that's going to come back out right it's going to it's good, like, like Michael Langford's so good about talking about the imposter self. It's got so many different guises. So, so I, I love him pointing when, when, when Rhoda said, really, what's the number one, you know, what's, what's the barrier? And he, he said, starting to believe you're the doer. Starting to take the experience of the doing as that which should be evaluated to see if it's going well. In other words, a bunch of gunk comes up, a bunch of identifications come up, a bunch of attachment comes up, a bunch of I'm not safe, I'm separate, scared and alone comes up. If, if there's not like a repeated return to clarity, all of a sudden mind's gonna go, you're not doing shit. You're just making yourself miserable. Go have a big bowl of ice cream, put on Netflix, yell at that person who you've been waiting to send that text. Let them know what you're thinking. I mean, you can just see the whole thing goes to shit, right? Because there's this continual, uh, it's, I feel like he kept bringing us back to that clarity of purpose and realizing that that's a big ask. <laughs> that's a lot of plates in the air, right? That's a lot of balls to juggle. And so in the end, hold all of that and be willing to drop it anytime as not the doer, as not attached to it, as not attached to truth even, I would think, because I would think the doer that wants truth only thinks it knows truth from not truth. And so it's gonna start driving the bus again. So it just reminds me of how, I think he called it the seeker's paradox, the fictional quest. We get to, <laughs> all up on our high horse of questing, we become the quester and we don't allow the quest to teach us. And yet if we go, hey, you know what? I'm not the doer and whatever happens, happens. We're not holding on to that purity of purpose that says, I do want to keep walking. I do want to keep surrendering. And so it's, it, it, you know, in, in the end, he said the barrier to realization uh, is, is attachment to what? hopes and dreams. So can I keep bringing back, is it a hope and, and truth can become a hope and a dream. Enlightenment can become a hope, awakening can be a hope, a dream, a better and, an and that doesn't have pokey parts of the personality or doesn't have lazy things that doesn't get things done or doesn't, you know, it, all of a sudden mind can co-opt it at any moment. And so continually, I loved when he said clarity dawned and Rhoda asked and he said it was the last gasp of unclarity. So it seems like to, to transform the fictional quest to the open, alive inquiry, it's to welcome all the unclarity that can be seen, to keep welcoming unclarity, right? Because in welcoming the unclarity, something, you know, that's gonna drop away. Truth has legs, truth's gonna stand up. And can I just hold back just long enough to watch this play out, wait for a prompt and just keep opening and keep opening and keep opening and kind of just have those kind of touchstones. And I, I feel like he really gave us, like he talked about the, 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 the spear tip of the spiritual search 
it is both self-inquiry and surrender. But you can feel how it's never just one. Because as soon as you start to become a, a badass at self-inquiry, you're going to need to surrender that because you've just unknowingly made a little you out of it, you know? And so it's just, it's that constant back and forth all at the same time. And in the end, the very good news is, is what many of us touched on, what, what Ruby just touched on, which is that what's the, what's the truest of north? It's, it's the devotion. It's the self-honesty. It's the trust. It's the knowing that grace is here and grace is coming. And how I can welcome it is to welcome seeing all of the blocks to the awareness of, of love's presence, to the awareness of the love that holds us and just continuing to just stay right there and not making an identity or making a quest or making a goal, just being in it and trusting what can't be seen and can't be felt, but can be known nonetheless. Thank you. There was uh, some very helpful also, uh, what, I what I noticed is, is there was a lot of talking about the doer and not being the doer. I could feel this energy come up like the sense of fear just kind of rose up in me and what I what I could feel in that moment was that there like that's what that's what believing attention does to the system that's what believing attention does to the system all I had to do was hear you are not the doer. And then for him to describe it, and honestly, I don't even know what the words were for him to describe it in whatever way it was described. And then boom, nervous system turns on and goes. And the translation in here is, uh-oh, he's about to tell me something that I am not gonna feel safe with. And to just watch as that kind of rose up and to let it keep coming, like to, I think is, as has been pointed to, you know, it's really just keeping, staying open and letting all of that that is uncomfortable just keep showing itself and showing itself and showing itself. It feels like when it's seen, that's when it then becomes effortless because the new habit becomes and discomfort's okay. Just gonna keep letting that come. Just gonna keep letting that come. Thank you. Is there anything else that anyone? I want, I want to say something about what um, Anne was talking about. Um, it's, you know, also he said, that you have to be schizophrenia, that's schizophrenic. I'm using that word because in, he was saying, you, you are what you seek. I mean, what you're seeking, you already are. And at the same time, you're, you're not feeling it. You're not, uh, you're not being it. But so you have to keep that in mind. And, and then, and Regina had this thing called impatient. She taught it was a, a thing that 
was patient is a key. And she said in here, you, the answer lies is um, that you have to um, remember who you are all the time, even intellectually. So it's, it's, it's having that faith and trust that what you're seeking is already here. You have to get at that point. And I'm thinking we're at that point of all our teaching. Then you have to go back and forth like, um, like Ann was talking about. But it's the, that's where the faith and the trust comes in. Because a lot of times you're going to have to have that trust and faith because you're not going to be able to see it. So uh, thank you for allowing me to share that. Have a little faith in me. There it is. Have a little faith. Are there any practices that anybody felt inspired to as a result of listening to Akalash? Does anyone would like to share? Please do, Ruby. Oh, God. I tell you, this morning, my meditation practice was off the charts. I... As soon as I woke up, I was able to center myself. And it had to do with listening to him, you know, and I mean, telling you, that was just one time though. But the other thing that allowed me to do, my meditation was based on what my guidance keeps telling me to do. It tells me to... to follow your breath and breathe as me and breathe as me. And then I'm also doing that with aware, and it said, if I keep doing that, it will cause, it will, it will bring forth awareness, watching awareness. So this morning, and then you bring your attention back. You have a little, a little voices or little, you know, talking or what do you call it? Your, your ego talking. You bring that attention back to my breath and breathe as me. Now, as me, there's nothing me. See, there's no me. So, so it's kind of like, that's why I couldn't necessarily do it. I'm saying there's nothing there. There's nothing there. I can't do, breathe, me, me, there's nothing there. Well, that's what I want. Nothing there because me is not an object. It's not an object. But if you stick with it long enough, you will... I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to stick with it. But I was able to meditate um, pretty, bring my attention back to breathing um, and concentrating. See, that concentrating was great. And he also said some other things about, um, I think Anne had mentioned it. Um, so I meditated for um, 55 minutes. Usually I do it for 40 minutes. 
and bringing my attention back to breathing as me. Um, and I was kind of confused about the meditation because, you know, guidance was saying that, and I'm looking at, you know, awareness, watching awareness and, you know, and, you know, wanting to do that and getting confused, listen to your guidance. It's just, if you, if you got clear guidance and you don't know what it's doing, just listen to it, trust it. You guys know your guidance too. You know when it's your guides, you know it's not so. So uh, that his, 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 um, the, um, his um, talk was very helpful to me. So thank you very much. And Rhoda, your questions were just off the charts. And, and yours on meditation was great. So thank you. Thank you. Love that. Breathe as me. Love that. Any other ticklers about what I'd like to practice as a result of listening or reinforce or up a, up a level or whatever seems to be happening? Hi, Kathy. Kathy, are you trying to share? Okay, I'm going to unmute you then. Oh, no, it won't let me unmute you. It only lets me ask you to unmute. Sorry. Ah, oh, my goodness. I'm sideways, but I'm okay with that if everyone else is. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Anna, for the thumbs up. So um, I've already been around it twice trying to get it, you know, vertical. But I just want to say... Uh, yeah, what a, what a, you know, just deep, deep, uh, beyond me, most of it, like, you know, he, he just was skimming across the surface and um, um, just sort of hanging on to his coattails. But, you know, the part when he was talking about what he called the, um, <laughs> the cosmic joke of quest for self-realization, and then he used the example of, um, uh, somebody reading a novel, right? And that um, Joe, the character in the ang in the novel, gets angry. Nobody gets angry. Uh, Joe goes to the store. Nobody goes to the store. Um, Joe's trying to suss out the meaning of life. Nobody is wondering about the meaning of life. Um, he goes on a spiritual quest, and nobody goes on a spiritual quest. And you know this whole. Uh, the negation thing, right? That that continual negation thing. Joel has a recognition, um, and nobody has a recognition. So the reader of the book then brings the reader on board and says, you know, um, it's a, a, a like a set of thoughts. Um, the reader of the book doesn't exist either. Is really what he shares with us on the heels of the the analysis of the character Joe um, and says that really, because all that it is are letters written on, on a page. And of course we give the meaning to the symbols on, on the page. Like 
the actual meaning is not in the ink or the, the you know, the print or the, the book itself. The meaning, of course, is always given in the mind. So just accept that we we have this universal uh, sharing of what those symbols represent. And sometimes, you know, there's fallout over semantics and that sort of thing. But um, when you think about it, when we start a sentence, we never know how we're going to finish it, <laughs> but yet at the same time, we are picking through this, you know, endless, you know, sea of, of words to put things together. Um, and sometimes we surprise, we're surprised at what comes out. But uh, I, I found it interesting, though, that when he went on to say that um, the reader gets, uh, is, the reader's not fooled about the character Joe thinking that he's a person. Um, and but the reader doesn't see that they're subject to the same illusion. If I understood him correctly, and this whole idea of being under the spell of illusion, um, and really that the reader nor the character Joe in the book exists at all. But then he goes on to say that the idea of a person um, is is uh, is is also characterized in another series. Um, and it's we we believe it real, of course. And so um, this idea of a person uh, represented in a compilation of of ideas. And so of course we're we're never looking uh, at what we're looking for. Or we're what is word? We can't look from what we're looking from because eyes can't look at themselves. So with the same. Uh, idea, I guess. Um, from that, I thought, well, that's really interesting. As uh, Yolanda had pointed out in the Reverend Yolanda in the uh, lesson from uh, Course in Miracles, the daily lesson yesterday, was the same idea, which of course you see this all the time: the synchronicity of everything. All things I think I see are reflections of ideas. Everything, like it just doesn't. I mean, that's the whole essence of everything right there in, in the illusion. So um, he, he says, of course, that there is no actual reader. Talking to us, there's no actual reader outside of the series. Of, in, in this case, I'm, 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 I'm guessing that he's assuming to the series of, of lives, life stories. So uh, he says the series go on infinitely and that it says in scripture, Ignorance is illusion, and illusion is is magic. So that uh, I think really kind of bounces back from that and says that there's this solid I don't know, a solid I don't know in quotations is what's looked for uh, the whole time, and it's mind bending, and we're trying to um, comprehend um, is this mind series of, and then he gets into the analogy of the, the hollow containers, like the, what are the Russian dolls, where they're all empty and they're all inside each other and you keep opening them up and it's another empty one and you open that another empty, and this is the mind for sure, right? Like we can never put our finger on it. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that was just one little snippet that was somewhere around the 20 minute mark, you know, that's what I just shared, you know, jotted some quick notes on and um, 
and, and that is, takes levels and levels of, oh, wait a minute, let me unpack this. Just, just, just that, you know, three or four minutes from the recording of the talk, just like, okay, I'll get back to you in uh, a couple months on, on that one and uh, maybe move into, you know, the next 10 minutes of it or whatever. So thanks for letting me get, get my, uh, my little say in there. <laughs> Appreciate that. Remember, I'm mute. I love that. The, the, uh, uh, yeah, there's some opportunity for some deep contemplation here for a certain. I also, he also pointed to the looking at the mirror and seeing the silver on the mirror. And I mean, just he kept pointing at these series. So thank you for that, Kath. I that had not come back into awareness and. Uh, I remember when I was listening or listening now or re, re, remembering it now. And I thought it just was really helpful pointing to the nothingness of it all. The nothingness of it all. We have about uh, seven minutes left. Is there anything else that anyone feels drawn to share at this moment? Anything about practice? Yes, please. Go ahead, Glenda. Yeah, I liked his story. I can't remember it fully, but about the Zen, um, uh, the Buddhist, I think they were called Freeland or something, and um, where they chant. And he was saying, well, you know, the Zen master was saying they really don't awaken from the chant, but there's this one particular person who did it with all his heart and just put everything into it, chanting and awoke from the chanting practice. And so he was basically saying, there's no one way, whatever we fully engage in, in order to lose the boundaries of the mind, you can do it in any way, you know? Um, once that those boundaries of the mind are broken, whatever your practice is, but uh, full intention, concentration, that only, and uh, yeah, yeah, such that is just yeah, whatever, whatever we fully immerse ourselves into, just with full on devotion and love and attention. Very powerful, thank you. Please, Izzy. Yeah, talking about pushing our minds to its own boundaries reminds me of something that Meg said during the homily, which was something like, it, it's not, I don't think it's the exact quote, but it's something like, when our minds start to die, our hearts start to live. I just thought that was beautiful. That is gorgeous, gorgeous reminder. That homily was beautiful. It, the whole day seemed very synchronized. It was actually talk about magical, right? <laughs> the, I, I, that felt magical. It was just a succession of one beautiful pointing right back to the truth of what we are when the mind dies. The heart thrives. 
Is there, was there anything that came up that you are going to spend time with that you feel like you want to seek further clarity on your own? Anything that came through like that? You talking to me? Anyone oh, who anyone feels to, anyone oh, anyone oh. who feels to share? I just. One more thing about what Anne was talking about, which is um, welcome, welcome the unclarity, which reminds me of, I picked out just one sentence from a Helen Hamilton um, meditation, and she said, whatever we are experiencing in this moment is exactly what we are supposed to be experiencing. And boy, I've thought of that a million times. You know, and that includes any, anything that we might consider negative. It's just, we need to welcome it. We need to be okay with it, at least, you know, acceptance is, is everything. Where's, oh, I've got, hmm, I've got a quote about acceptance. Let me, let me, uh, let me find it. I'll get back to you. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Is there anything else that wants to be shared while Izzy's looking for the quote on acceptance? Please. Oh, good, Izzy, you found it. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, it's, um, so I'm writing my list of gratitudes and I, I wrote, and this is from the way of the heart with the way of mastery. I'm grateful to know that allowance is not a passive acceptance of things as they are, but a recognition that there is something beautiful at work. Thank you for sharing that, for finding that, Izzy. Thank you. You're welcome. And did you have something else you wanted to share before we? Yeah, you, you had talked about, you had asked about practices. I appreciate the question. And I, and I appreciate um, that quote from Izzy because, um, you know, the doer, the little spiritual ego doer says, am I pushing mine to its own boundary every day? It's like, no, no. Um, and yet, Am I returning again and again and again to the true desire? Yes. Am I returning again and again and again to acceptance? Yes. And can I accept that that mind coming to its own boundary will be part of this wondrous unfolding that will follow the devotion, will follow the intention, and will follow the self-honesty. And so can I just catch the doer in action wants to do once I hear some words that sound like a goal and and come back to right here accepting everything just like it is holding it in non-judgmental awareness and turning inward like Ruby pointed us to inward to our own guidance what would you have me do next because if there's an and that wants to push minds to its boundaries today I'm pretty sure that's not it <laughs> And so when I do the U-turn and I come in and I just get soft and quiet and ask, I'll do anything that I hear. And if it's from within, the universe is going to give me all the energy and the follow through. And I can start to use that as a guide. So thank you. Thank you all so much.
can't hear you. I think that is a great place to wrap it for today. Uh, we are at our time and I want to respect everybody's time. Uh, thank you all for being here. This was a lovely opportunity. And if you're listening to this on the podcast and you're interested in learning more about Awakening Together, you can find us at www.awakening-together.org. We'd love to have you in the sanctuary or to just come and check out so many of the free resources we have available. That's it for us. Thank you all for being here. This was a delightful, delightful experience. Appreciate your sharing. Love you all.